It is a hot Grizz summer so far. Indeed, the Memphis Grizzlies 2-0 and oh, out in Salt Lake City. They're heading to Vegas here soon, as is our DeMichael Cole. But before they do that, they got another game tonight. We're going to break down some of what we saw against the Oklahoma City Thunder. A pretty impressive showing in a lot of different ways. Let's check out how the Grizzlies did and then some on this edition of Locked on Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Michael, you would have been proud of me. I thought about trying to do like a hot Grizz summer rap sort of thing. and oh, I, I, oh, no. I kept oh, it in. No. I kept no. it in this time. So no. I'm filtering. I'm learning. I'm evolving. Right. In some ways, I'm very much the same old Joe. But in, mm. in other ways, as I get older, wisdom uh, mm. comes a little more easily. For That's me. where the wisdom kicked in right there. Yeah, that, that, that was the wisdom. One of the few times. Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. I am one of your hosts, Joe Monax. Been off a couple of days here. DeMichael did a great job carrying you through the 4th of July. DeMichael Cole of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis Grizzlies beat writer for that publication. I am the Grizzlies columnist for Bluff City Media. I also do some contribute, or contributing to SB Nation. Between the two of us, you have come to the right place when it comes to talking Memphis Grizzlies basketball in particular, but the NBA at large. I think we can cover all the bases for you here on Lockdown Grizzlies. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts as proud members of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team each and every day. You can also check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, all those fun things. It's fun to watch the Memphis Grizzlies play basketball right now, the Michael Cole. I can it tell is. you that. It, it is, is fun and enjoyable to see them on the floor. Uh, obviously, they are 2-0 and now, as we mentioned a moment ago, but I thought that their game against the Thunder – after watching both games, it, it flowed better. They looked mm. much more comfortable. The, the game, mm. uh, the first time they were out there in Utah, I think it was the 76ers they were playing, they they were very, I don't want to say lethargic, they looked unsure of themselves. Yeah, They looked like a team who played iffy in game one, had a day off, watched some film, practiced, and then came out a little more guns a-blazing in game two. Yeah. No better example of that than your boy. Jake LaRavia, who looked kind of spotty in game one against summer mm. league. You always take that with a grain of salt, but mm -hmm. he, he let the game come to him a little bit more easily in this one. And it showed in his performance. I'm not going to toot my own horn yet, Joe, because got, well, remember, on Grizzlies, we pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to quite do it yet. Gonna I'm gonna, reach there yet. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my hand up. Oh, okay. but I'm not going to tap it yet because you're ready, you're ready to tap when necessary. When necessary, I'm gonna say what what I tell other people, and okay. what I've kind of my entire message for summer league has been. It's simply this: this is more about the process mm. than the results. Because right. guess what? David Roddy shot two of twelve yesterday. No good. I don't. I don't hear anyone saying David Roddy sucks. They're no. not gonna say David Roddy sucks. No, uh, he doesn't suck. He doesn't suck. He doesn't suck. Uh, you're going to see the ebbs and the flows here. At the end of the day, you want to see the process. You want to see the effort to improve. Uh, I actually, in this game, yeah, David Roddy was 2 of 12. But you know what I liked? 
He was trying, he was getting to the basket, being aggressive. Mm -hmm. Of course, you saw some of the limitations show up, you know, him being 6'4", you know, just a lot of contested stuff at the rim. Uh, That's probably going to be one of his toughest things as he navigates through the NBA uh, from that standpoint. But getting back to Jake Laredi, 25 points. I think he shot 9 of 18 from the field, 4 of 9 on three-pointers. Even if you tackle in game one, I liked what I saw in game one from Jake Laredi. And then the people who listen to the Grizzly spaces and things like that, you you already know this because I went in there and I pretty much said this. And some people were laughing and whatnot. But I liked it because, Joe, you've heard me say it. We we talk about it on here. It's more about the process. The fact that Jake Laravia in that first game took nine three-pointers, oh, that was all I needed to see. That's it. I, th- I thoroughly enjoy the Grizzly spaces. I think they do a really good job with those. <laughs> they do. Shout out, I, I, shout out to those guys, man. Yeah, shout out to those guys. Absolutely. And I pop in on those every once in a while. And mm-hmm. it's it's really cool to hear, obviously, the voice of the fan. Memphis has one of the most knowledgeable fan bases in the entire NBA. I firmly believe that. Yeah. And you know, it, it's really cool to hear their perspective on things, you know, because you and I, especially with me, I can get a bit of an echo chamber. Um, so it's good to see <laughs> different perspectives and different visions of things. I'm with you completely. And I think that LaRavia in game one is what Roddy and even Kenneth Lofton Jr., who we'll talk yep. more about later on in the show, were in game two. Kenneth Lofton Jr. was not the offensive force. He didn't rebound particularly well. Uh, there are things that he could have been better at. But I left game two with Kenneth Lofton Jr. And again, we'll talk more about him and how he fits on the roster moving forward uh, later on in the show. What I came away from was I saw more activity defensively. I saw him putting in effort to deflect, make things more difficult using some of his length. I think he has about a six foot 11 wingspan. So even though he's shorter for a big at six, seven, his wingspans, you know, not, not that off. I, I thought that there were better efforts in terms of his athleticism. He had a deflection and a seal that turned into a dunk in transition. I mm-hmm. expect Kenneth Lofton Jr. to do that. So I, I think that you're exactly right. Scoring a bunch of points in summer league, and I think I've mentioned this before, I, ha- I go back to Josh Selby, right? Josh so, Selby. Yeah. Summer league 10 years ago now probably. And, oh, my gosh, this guy is awesome. And, and then it turns out he wasn't actually awesome, right? Like the scoring aspect of it is really not as relevant. Uh, what is relevant is what Taylor Jenkins talked about during the game, and you wrote about this over the commercial appeal, how guys fit in terms of the Grizzly system. Because replacing John Morant, we'll talk more about this on another episode, replacing John Morant, nothing changes in terms of their scheme, the way they mm-hmm. execute. They are who they are. The standard is the standard for the Memphis Grizzlies. More so than how many times the ball goes in the bucket. On the offensive and defensive end of the floor, you want to see these guys playing within that standard of play that if you've watched the Grizzlies the last four years, you're fairly familiar with. Moving the ball, getting to the basket, finding open shooters, rotating, communicating defensively. And again, as we'll talk about, Kenneth Lofton Jr. and I have not not always been on the, the kindest of terms, depending on who you ask on Twitter. But I genuinely was impressed with what he did to help the Grizzlies win outside of scoring in game two. He was good. Uh, Kevin Lofton Jr. Was, was good enough, you know, in yeah, game two. That's and, a great and, way to put it. And again, to me, it's it's more about the process. He still was getting the same type of looks. You right. saw him isolate on the on the block. And what I think the Grizzlies have said, you talk about the system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that a lot of people may not have noticed about the system until you hear it being said is – 
there aren't a lot of back to the basket post touches where you clear side and let a guy uh, dribble the ball uh, from from the block for for seven eight seconds. This mm-hmm. isn't the the grit and grind days where Zebo can get the ball and they clear side and everyone gets out of the way. Right. Uh, they don't do that as much with Jaren. You know, Jaren takes advantage of mismatches and whatnot and all that. But the thing is, if you look at Ken Kenneth Lofton Jr.'s game, that is something that he's been great at over the course of his career. But the Grizzlies system isn't necessarily catered to that offensive style. But what you saw even in this game, necessarily again, it's not about the results so much right now. You want to see the process right. and, and the progress. And I think what we saw is some quick decisions being made. Mm-hmm. What those quick decisions lead to right now doesn't matter as much. But quicker decisions were being made. I, I think there were a couple times he made quick decisions, got got quick uh, baskets, and some led to, you know, uh, I think got blocked blocked on one possession as well. Like, that's more of what you want to see right now. You want to see him move quick because the Grizzlies aren't saying, here you go, uh, dribble 10 times and while we just stand around. No, that's not their style. They're more about, again, the spacing, the pace. Uh, all of those things are much more important. So seems like, you know, to me, this was a step forward for him as well. And you just mentioned Jake LaRavia. But uh, another win for the Grizzlies in Summer League, I've said it, that I think on paper at least, they have one of the more talented Summer League rosters out there, uh, not just because all of these players in their starting lineup are from last season. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about a couple first-round picks. You're talking about the G League rookie of the year. You're talking about a guy in Jacob Gilliard. It's one of the – I mean – top steals guys in G League. We saw that play out in this game, seven steals. And sooner or later, me and Joe are going to have to have a conversation about uh, him in that last two-way spot because first game, I was more mad. Second game, seven steals. That can play. And again, within the Grizzlies scheme, it most certainly can play. And that's going to be our focus for the remainder of this episode. We'll start with the bigs here momentarily. Taking what we're seeing from a guy like Kenneth Lofton Jr., for example, how does that fit within the Grizzlies standard? Can Kenneth Lofton Jr. do similar things offensively to what Jaron Jackson Jr. can do because of the fact that he is not going to get those back down opportunities like DeMichael just alluded to? The only time the ball really stops in the Grizzlies offense is when it's a John Morant isolation at the end of a clock or something like yeah. that. Um, other than that, it's supposed to move. So how does Kenneth Lofton Jr. in particular fit? within the possible Grizzlies, I don't even want to say rotation because I feel like that's putting it out there too much, but when you compare him to Santi Aldama, Xavier Tillman, does he have a shot to take minutes from guys like that who do fit the Grizzlies standard in a variety of ways? We're going to talk about that next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a wonderful opportunity to help you find a way to work through a time that you were uncertain about your life, what the right path was. I felt that way numerous times throughout my days. How do I do what I need to do to be the best husband, the best father, the best whatever I can be? If you benefited from therapy, obviously you understand that this is a journey that can be helped along through that very important process. Give BetterHelp a try if you've ever thought about giving it a shot. Especially since it's entirely online, it is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. We're talking Kenneth Lofton Jr., 
and how he fits with the Memphis Grizzlies next here on Locked On Grizzlies. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am one of your hosts, Joe Molinax, joined by DeMichael Cole of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. Grizzlies beat writer for that publication. Getting ready to leave on a jet plane, going to Las Vegas, getting ready for uh, some Sin City. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of advice to Michael. Okay, you haven't asked for any advice, but I'll give you a little bit here. The casinos are big and nice for a reason, and that's all I'll say. Don't don't go too crazy now uh, when you have some time off out there in Vegas. I know the commercial appeal is going to keep you busy. <laughs> uh, I, of course, am Joe Molinax of Bluff City Media, Grizzlies columnist over at that website. You can also check out my work every week or so, uh, every couple of weeks over at SB Nation. Um, DeMichael, we talked about Kenneth Lofton Jr. a lot in the previous mm-hmm. segment. And without getting too deep into the weeds, because the people that watch and listen don't really care, uh, I got a little bit of hot water over the last 48 hours or so talking about just, Kenneth Lofton Just another Jr. day in the shoes of Joe Mullenax. Yeah. All. I mean, I've been doing this since 2013, right? Like, And I think, not, again, I don't want to go too far down because our dear listeners and viewers don't care. I have been pretty opinionated for a long time. Like, I'm yeah. the guy that when DeMichael was in middle school, wanted to trade Zach Randolph. Like, that's me. I, I was team Rudy Gay. Yeah. And that was super dumb, right? Like, that was not the right decision then. Yeah. But to bring this back full circle, a lot of the reasons I was team Rudy Gay then are why I have questions about Kenneth Lofton Jr. now. The only mm. difference is the system, which to Michael, and I'll let you kind of take the charge here because people okay. already think – that, uh, that I have it out for Kenneth Lofton Jr. Um, <laughs> you you mentioned it in the first segment. The way that the Grizzlies play offense, it's trail threes to their bigs. It's setting screens and finding space and openings in the pick and roll. It is a lot of different things that I think Kenneth Lofton Jr. can do, but we already know the defensive limitations, so I don't even necessarily think it's fair to point that stuff out because he's not going to be better at that than Xavier Tillman. He's just not. So that's yeah. not his that's not his roadmap to minutes. When right. you look within the Grizzlies sets, the Grizzlies standard offensively in particular, where Lofton Jr. does indeed have a lot of success, where do you see his skill set translating to actual minutes against actual NBA talent? Because Kenneth Lofton Jr., the 40-minute game that he had against Oklahoma City, that was mm-hmm. against a, a, a G League team, basically. It was a G League NBA game because it was the end of the season for both teams and they didn't put their best talent out there. So obviously he was a part of the San Antonio comeback. I don't want to take that away from him. He provided offensive energy, yeah. gave Big a good spark there. Yes. Is that consistent? Can that be something that within the Grizzlies offense he can consistently do? Or is it because of his, I don't want to say awkward, but he doesn't have a skill set. It's kind of like Zaire Williams. You and I have talked about that a lot. The mid-range game of Zaire not yeah. getting as much shine. Kenneth Lofton Jr. Exactly. is a similar boat. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. I mean, that's that's the perfect example uh, you just laid out. So, uh, and it's a little bit different because of the depth chart. Right. To Zaire, Zaire Williams. I mean, front court is just loaded. But here's the thing. We point out all these things that the Grizzlies emphasize. Rebounding is at the top. When Steven Adams went out and the Grizzlies turned into this mediocre rebounding team, Taylor Jenkins 
He's not happy a lot after a lot of games. It was a major uh, problem. It, it, it was a problem. And, and Taylor Jenkins kept saying, we have to rebound better. We have to rebound better. And if you watch that playoff series against the Lakers, then I don't have to say much more. But rebounding is near the top of the list. Steven Adams is a great rebounder. I would say Xavier Tillman. Uh, he and – would you say Kenneth Lofton Jr. is a better rebounder than Xavier Tillman? I, would, I don't think there's a, 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 a noticeable gap between the two. No, I don't think there's a Which noticeable gap. Okay. I think that Xavier Tillman rebounds in the way that Steven Adams would. And again, it's about schematic fit, right? Like yeah. a Kenneth Lofton Jr. rebound would be off of his own miss, or a Kenneth Lofton Jr. rebound would be not necessarily in a position down low or off of a roll because that's not his game, whereas Xavier Tillman is yeah, looking for his own Yeah, He has shot. more of a range. Yeah, a, right. just bigger, bigger range of rebounder. And then, okay, so there's the rebound. Then, again, we talk about the spacing – and the pace. Uh, from the spacing perspective, then there's Santi Aldama, right? That's the other guy. If he's going to play minutes, that's who he'd have to be stepping in for. Uh, Santi Aldama, you mentioned how well he shot the three-pointer last season. So basically you're saying is Kenneth Lofton Jr. a better three-point shooter than Santi. It's not the case. Uh, and the defensive difference there is not, you know, twisted in uh, Lofton's favors at this point of their careers. Then there's Xavier Tillman. Rebounding, they're about the same. The other thing that the Grizzlies emphasize is screen setting, defensive versatility. Uh, two things that Xavier Tillman are better at than Lofton right now at this point of his career. What Kenneth Lofton Jr. is better at than any of the guys I just mentioned, we've already talked about it. The back to the basket game, the soft touch. Uh, he's better than all those guys at that. But guess what? That's not the biggest emphasis in this Grizzly system. So the simple way of putting this is Kenneth Lofton Jr. is ready right now to play NBA minutes. Don't get me wrong. I think this guy is ready to play NBA. But is there a position right now in the rotation? No, I don't think so. Will there be a position if either one of those guys go down? Yeah. I mean, the Grizzlies are fortunate right now. They have some depth. If Santi goes down, you can insert him, uh, and you probably won't miss too much. If if Xavier Tillman goes down, you'll notice it a little bit when teams start to switch and attack. But the offensive joke will probably negate uh, that difference that you get when putting Kenneth Lofton Jr. in the game. Again, Steven Adams, he goes down, you put Xavier Tillman in the starting lineup, now you get a joke off the bench, more of a score in Kenneth Lofton Jr. So the point is – He's ready to produce with his style of play at the NBA level. But with the way that the Grizzlies play, he'll have to be a better screen setter. He'll have to be become, you know, uh, just a better uh, three-point shooter, which I think he's a fine three-point shooter. But uh, from a spacing before perspective, Kenneth Lofton Jr.'s game is get to the low post, command your position. Santi is space the floor. You got a mismatch, go duck down, uh, make things happen. I think that's kind of where the Grizzlies are right now. They're fortunate. They have a lot of depth. There are a lot of teams right now that I think could use Kenneth Lofton Jr., but because of the situation of the Grizzlies, their style of play, uh, I don't see him right now being that guy. I think eventually he'll get his opportunities we'll see, and, and he'll take advantage of them, but as currently constructed, uh, there isn't a spy. We didn't even get to Brandon Clark, you know, and he right. gets back. Like it's It's deep. The front court is just deep, man. And Brandon Clark is elite at that screening, rolling to the basket, finishing yeah. at the rim. He's the best one. Runs. Mm -hmm. He's the best at that. So, you know, I, I talk a lot about on here, what are you elite at, right? Like Luke Kennard is an elite three-point shooter. He should be playing because yeah. he's elite. You we know, both Clark, talk about that a lot. Correct. There we go. Mm -hmm. Elite skill sets. 
when you get down the rotation, it's not so much about skill set as it is fit. Why does Xavier Tillman start instead of Steven Adams? Because X fits the scheme as closely as anybody that isn't Steven Adams among the bigs. Why does Santi Aldama get so many minutes? Because he's a six foot eleven big that shoots the three relatively well. Sounds a lot like Jaron Jackson Jr. Not saying that they are the same in terms of ability. Obviously, Jaron is much better than Santi, but they have similar skill sets. Much like Zaire, Kenneth Lofton Jr. has a skill set that is valuable. We've seen it be successful in the NBA and elsewhere, in Memphis and elsewhere. But how does it fit within the Grizzly scheme? I think that is a fair thing to ask. And that does not make him a bad basketball player. I think that is something that, you know, context is significant. I thought you explained it really well there to Michael. The idea that if you sent him to Philadelphia, Joel Embiid has a low post presence. He has a lot of strength in his game in that way. If you sent him to New Orleans where Jonas Valanciunas has sets in the system designed for that, I think you would see him not necessarily be better because he's having success in Memphis, but it would fit NBA scheme and things would be working around his skill set to be in those positions. Can that change in Memphis? Yeah, it can change. It can change with injury. It can change with continued improvement for him. If he becomes the lateral defender that Xavier Tillman is, if he comes near that ballpark and the Grizzlies half-court offense is struggling, why wouldn't you try Kenneth Lofton Jr.? But he has to make up that ground to eventually get there and Summer League is a great place to show that growth in his game, which is what I mentioned earlier. That's what really stood out to me in his game against the Thunder. Not his best offensive performance, but he found other ways to contribute, and that is a good example of growth. Speaking of growth, we have some wings to Michael that have really grown in the Grizzlies' offense as well. They've looked, I'd say that's the strongest position group so far through two games of Summer League, is the wing rotation. you got a few guys that look like they could fit what memphis wants to do who do we like best in the very small very very insignificant sample size of two summer league games uh looking at the grizzlies wing position summer league edition we'll talk about that next here on lockdown grizzlies welcome back to lockdown grizzlies i am your host joe monax joined by my co-host michael cole of the commercial appeal there in memphis tennessee to michael will be heading out to las vegas very soon traveling across the country, getting ready for Grizzly Summer League in Vegas. But, of course, Memphis, as they have the last few years, participating in the Salt Lake City Summer League, which is in the lead-up to Las Vegas. The Grizzlies are 2-0 heading into tonight's game with the host, Chaz, I believe. And we're not going to preview that game because a lot of those guys probably aren't going to play, for the record. (laughs) The guys that we're going to talk about, there's no back-to-back logging a ton of minutes. I think you'll see some Gigi Jackson. Michael and I talked about that before the show. Uh, and maybe we can cover Gigi on our Friday edition of the podcast. Uh, but I, I do think that some of the guys that have had the most success so far, Jake LaRavia, who we mentioned earlier in the program, Vince Williams Jr., who you've mentioned before, shout out to Richmond, shout out to VCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he looks very comfortable and confident in what his role is supposed to be. And then mm-hmm. David Roddy, who struggled offensively. I noticed his secondary facilitation. He was trying to get some dribble penetration find open shooters in the corner. I liked Mm -hmm. how he moved the ball around. So those are three guys that whether it's a two-way contract or whether it's the actual roster spots through being first-round picks, they are going to be on the Grizzlies more than likely, right? Right, Barring a trade or, you know, something unforeseen with the two-way deal. But Vince Williams, I think, would be a good use of that two-way contract. 
I think I know how you're going to answer this, but I'll I'll preface the same way we talked about Kenneth Lofton Jr. Mm-hmm. with these three guys. Of LaRavia, Roddy, and Williams Jr., which one fits the Grizzlies scheme best? Because, again, LaRavia had a great scoring game in game two. Mm-hmm. Next time he plays, he might shoot two for 12. That yep. doesn't change. Does he help the team win within the scheme and system that they are implementing, trying to be successful with? We'll say it, Joe. We'll say it. And I'll give the long-winded answer because please, because because if I give the short-winded answer, everyone knows who I'm going to choose. So it's, it's and then I'll, I'll, I'll be you. long-winded, and nobody wants yeah. that. <laughs> Joe, Joe, the people love hearing you talk, man. They 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 enjoy <laughs> it. I, you 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 got more fans than you think, Joe. The people, oh. the people the people love you, Joe. The people mm-hmm. love you. It's just you know they they can't say it out loud sometimes because sure some because it's like. Someone may get on them like, "Hey, you like Joe? You know, Who you can't say it. Joe? You can't. You can't. They can't say it out loud so much. It's like I'm, it's I'm like the Brussels sprouts of Grizzlies media. It's like oh, that you girl, like Brussels sprouts. That girl in the classroom that you're like, man, nobody likes her, but I, I think she's cute, you know. And oh, and then no. thanks to Michael, you know, that's 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 you right now, Joe. But with all that <sighs> being said, uh, Joe, Joe being the under the radar girl in the classroom. <laughs> I think in terms of the wing controversy, as we just put it, you got three guys. And as similar as they're used in the Grizzly system, three completely different skill sets in my mind. Again, Vince Williams. I touched on it here recently. Uh, smooth shooting stroke. I mean, I, I, I love it. Uh, you know, I love that I talked about it uh, for the longest. I, I also like what he brings on defense. Uh, he has real, real, this is real. This is real legit 3 and D when you're talking about this guy. And it's 3 and D because you don't get much else. Uh, the 3 is good. The defense is good. But uh, where the reason that he was a second-round pick instead of a first-round pick, because you look at those two skill sets, you probably say, yeah, he should have won the first round. Uh, playmaking is not his strength right now. Through two summer league games, one assist. Uh, he's had some some turnovers where I, I looked early in the game. He had a pick-and-roll situation where he was a secondary ball handler, tried to make what looked like it was an easy pocket pass, and it bounced off a guy's foot. Uh, just little things like that stand out to you. Sometimes he goes to the basket. He kind of has a tunnel vision. You know, right. think think like a Kelly Oubre. You know, mm-hmm. uh, really fine score overall, but people really notice his assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, that's something that would stand out about him. And you get to David Roddy. Again, the the shooting, I don't have to say much about it. He played 18 minutes a game for the Grizzlies. Most of you are very familiar with this game. Uh, The compact body allows him, you know, to use his size when he gets inside, but his limited height comes into play, as we saw in this game. Yes, he got to the rim aggressively and things like that, but sometimes he'll have trouble finishing when there's size like Chet Holmgren in the paint. Uh, That'll bother David Roddy uh, from time to time. And then there's Jake LaRavia, a little slower uh, of the three, but – uh, gets to his spots well, and to me, overall, has the best all-around skill set. Of these three players, he's the only one. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, after I say this. He's the only one that I think you can say at this point you notice a three-level game from. He, no, he I a, don't disagree with that. I think he has the capacity yeah. to do it. Yeah, and we saw this game, he 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 shot the three-point ball really well. We saw even in the first game, shot two of nine, but he has the capacity to be a really good three-point shooter. Uh, the mid-range game, if you watched him with the hustle a lot, you saw the fadeaways, you saw some of the one-legged shots, and 
even in these past two games, he's shown, you know, even dosages of being effective in the mid-range, getting to the rim. I think that's what stood out to me, even more than the four three-point baits in the second game. Uh, he put pressure on the rim, getting to the free throw line. That's where he separates himself. I think David Roddy is capable of getting to the free throw line at a high rate because of his size. Uh, I had a conversation to the side with David Roddy one day. We were just talking about how he believes referees, you know, uh, the LeBron kind of thing in a way. You know, he doesn't get as many calls as other guys because when he gets hit, you know, he doesn't – his body isn't flying over the place as much right. as some smaller players. He's a players. former high school quarterback, we have to yeah. remember. He's used yeah. to taking some contact. And and he's not going to flop around. So – and that kind of goes against him sometimes. So with all that being said, I think Jake LaRavia is the guy who's probably your best fit because of the three-level ability. He's the one guy uh, – if you run him off the three-point line, Oh, he's comfortable taking that two dribbles and shooting a mid-range shot. If you run him off the three-point line and he doesn't have the mid-range shots, we saw in his last summer league game, he can get to the floater. He can get to the basket and, and you know, get to the free throw line. Uh, he's effective from the standpoint of, again, the Grizzlies like versatility. You put him at the two, he can abuse some guys. You put him at the three, he may, depending on the matchup, he can abuse some guys. He may be quicker than some guys, but he that's his natural spot. You put him at the four, uh, he can use – some of his uh, his lateral quickness to get by some guys who may be a little bit slower. Uh, I like what he brings as an all-around. Now, again, David Roddy, I think, is the better defender at this point. So we know that's Taylor Jenkins probably loves that more than anything. Uh, he's the guy who would get the Luka assignment before a Jake LaRavia, or he's a guy who would get the Kawhi assignment or the LeBron assignment before a Jake LaRavia, as we've seen before. But in terms of the all-around skill set, a guy who can step in and produce from the three-point line, who when the when teams adjust can get to the mid-range shot. When teams adjust to that, can get to the free throw line, can get to the basket. I think Jake Laravia is the best all-around fit. I think that you're right. And I think that again, we're talking about fitting the scheme. Yep. Right. Laravia has more tools in the tool belt at this stage offensively. And to your point, and to my point from earlier as well. Mm -hmm. I want to continue to see a summer league transitions from Salt Lake City to Vegas over the next couple of days. I want to see LaRavia defend better. Like LaRavia can shoot three for 15 in a game, but if he draws the primary defensive assignment and he yeah. limits the, the best score for the other team to a four for 11 or four for 12 performance, and it was him that did most of the heavy lifting on that, mm -hmm. that will be a success because of exactly what you just said. What is going to keep Taylor Jenkins from playing Jake LaRavia? He can't defend on the perimeter. I know David Roddy can defend on the perimeter. David I Roddy gave him move. the LeBron James assignment at times. I know Roddy has the physical ability to play defense the way that Dylan Brooks once did for the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe not as well because he's undersized, doesn't have the same type of wingspan, but I know he can bring that physicality. I need to see that from Jake LaRavia before I can deem him the guy that comes in and becomes that next wing player that gets a lot of run for the Grizzlies. But we have plenty of summer league games to go to see that in action. Thank you so much for checking out Locked On Grizzlies each and every day. All shout out to our everydayers, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts as proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. Rate, like, comment, review, subscribe, all those fun things. Continue to stick with us as the Summer League grinds forth and, again, transitions to Las Vegas where my wonderful partner, to Michael Cole. The next time he is with us, he will be joining us from Las 
Vegas, which is going to be an exciting thing, I'm sure, for you, a chance to go travel. I know you like the traveling aspect. And, you know, Summer League has kind of become like this, you know, it's a big spectacle now convention almost. Yeah, it used to just be a random thing, but now yeah. it's a big deal. Everybody meets up there. I remember last year when I went, Joe, I mean, I'm looking across the hall. I see a GM here, GM there, mm-hmm. agent here, agent there. Uh, and, and even when you go out, you just go out on the strip, right? I, everyone's there. I mean, I'm casually walking past Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook and all these other guys uh, last year. So that, that's what Summer League, it's kind of this chill factor, but it's it's the meetup. It's like almost, in a way, it feels like a first day of school when everyone's catching up with each other and all that good stuff. And this, of course, will be an opportunity for the Grizzlies to have some Las Vegas press conferences as well. I know Marcus Smart and yep. others uh, being uh, introduced out there in Las Vegas as part we get Desmond of the Bain too. Desmond yeah. Bain's contract extension. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. So obviously, DeMichael will have all sorts of information about that. And then some, I'll be with you as well, breaking down uh, the final Summer League game. I mean, Like I said, Gigi Jackson, I anticipate getting some run in that one. But we'll be talking that. We'll be talking all the stuff as Vegas becomes the focus, leaving Salt Lake City in the rear view. That'll be our Friday edition of the show. For my wonderful partner, DeMichael Cole, I am Joe Mullinax. Make sure you're staying locked in with us here at Locked on Grizzlies. However you get your podcasts, we are free and available. Hot Grizz summer continues. We'll catch you next time here on Locked on Grizzlies.